welcome to the Prophecy Club. As you know, Leslie and I are going to Malaysia to speak, and in the process, I've tried my best to make a lot of broadcasts in advance, but I just can't make enough of them. I'm going to get some help from David Phillips also, but in the meantime, we're going to have to play some audio of the DVDs. And out of the over 300 DVDs that we've made, I've chosen the ones by Michael Rood because I think that the church mostly needs to learn more about the feasts, and that's probably one of the best ones talking on the feast that I know of. So here's the offer, then I'll explain what the DVDs are. We're offering you six discs, valued at $160, for a gift of $40, but the best deal is get six discs and watch them at watchprophecyclub.com for only $10. Yeah, they can watch all six of them for only $10, and of course you can get signed up for watchprophecyclub.com for $20 a month or $200 a year. So here's the scoop on it. We're offering you Prophecy in the Spring and Fall Feast. That's a four-disc set by Michael Rood. We're also offering you Fall Feasts in Prophecy by Doug Hamp. And my DVD, 17 Secrets in the Feast and the Trumpets. Again, six DVD discs valued $160 for a gift of $40. And you order the discs at prophecyclub.com. It's called the Feasts in Prophecy gift offer. However, the best deal is watch all six of them for a gift of $10 at WatchProphecyClub.com. You'll have access to the Fall Feasts offer of four titles immediately at WatchProphecyClub.com. But of course, the best deal is you can watch over 200 titles for a gift of $20 a month recurring or $200 a year recurring, and you can watch all of them anytime you want to, including the new Sevenfold Miracle Crusade, which is not going to be offered on DVD. It's only going to be at WatchProphecyClub.com. So, order the discs at ProphecyClub.com. Watch the 200 titles for $20 a month, $200 a year at WatchProphecyClub.com. Or get the Feasts in Prophecy gift offer at ProphecyClub.com for a gift of $40. Or you can watch all of them, all six of them, for a gift of only $10 at WatchProphecyClub.com. little complicated. Call us, 785-266-1112, and we will explain more if you have a question. So let me explain what the DVDs are. First of all, in my opinion, I think that probably Michael Rood is one of the best, if not the best, at explaining the feasts. One of the revelations I received, which is in my new book, Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy, was that Jesus did not fulfill all of the spring feasts. He was not here. As you recall, he ascended 10 days before Pentecost. The feasts are not days to have a party. They are God's appointment days, meaning that when God does major events, he always does them on his feast days. Most especially, they are a picture of the last seven months before Jesus returns. They lay out the two returns, I said the two returns of Jesus, one on first fruits as a lamb, 50 days later his crowning at the marriage feast, and then his final return on trumpets as the line of the tribe of Judah to burn the tares. Michael Rood probably does one of the best jobs I've ever seen in explaining the feast, which is why I've chosen to play his audio of his DVDs today. Michael tells the story of how Jesus fulfilled the first four feasts at his coming, as I said. I don't believe he did. I think it stopped on first fruits. That's our only difference. But other than that, I think he's right on. And it's very important that you learn all you can about these feasts because they help you to understand Bible prophecy. Then we also are offering Doug Hemp's DVD, The Fall Feasts in Prophecy. He says there are seven feasts of the Lord. 
We know Jesus died on Passover. During the Feast of Unleavened Bread, he was in the tomb. On first fruits, he arose. Fifty days later, on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. He'll also explain the parable of the fig tree in Matthew 24 and demonstrates that we are living at the end of the generation, which will see the budding of the fig tree. Then my DVD is part of the offer, 17 Secrets in the Feasts and the Trumpets. This recording contains the top six revelations I received from memorizing the book of Revelation. In the order of importance, they are the next anointing of Jesus, who are the two witnesses, is not Enoch and Elijah, what is the morning star, seven amazing facts about the 144,000, secrets in the seven feasts and trumpets, who appears before the great white throne, and who appears for the Jesuit seat of Christ, the kings and priests in New Jerusalem, what are and who sits on the other thrones, and what are the other books. So that's four titles, six discs, for a value of $160 at prophecyclub.com for a gift of $40 at watchprophecyclub.com for a gift of $10. But the best deal is just join Watch Prophecy Club. 20 bucks a month, $200 a year. You can watch now over 200, almost 300 titles. Now let's go listen to Michael Rood in Prophecies in the Spring Feasts of the Lord. Our topic, and by the way, this is going to be a two-video set. Our topic is going to be on the spring feasts of the Lord. This particular tape is tape one of two. Michael John Rood is a Messianic Jewish rabbi, and he'll present these spring feasts of the Lord, and he'll show you how Jesus fulfilled the spring feast in every detail in his death, burial, resurrection, and Pentecost. From a Jewish perspective, Michael will explain this prophetic picture portrayed in the spring feast regarding Jesus' entry into Jerusalem, his death, resurrection. He'll also give you updates on the Ark of the Covenant and other details not understood for hundreds of years. Will you help me welcome Michael John Rood? Thank you, Stan. What appeared to be distant rock formations out in the middle of the Israeli desert, turns out that the entire city of Gomorrah has been found, still intact, still standing. Here at the base of Mount Masada, between Masada and the Dead Sea, you can see the ashen remains of the cities of the plains, and in the background, you can see two elongated pyramid-shaped objects. Now, 90-degree angles don't happen in nature, but here in the Judean wilderness are edifices that are the same length, width, depth, and height, and angle of incline that open up the way into the temple site area. And just as the book of Deuteronomy says, nothing remains of the cities of the plains except for brimstone, salt, and ashes, and nothing grows thereon. And there outside of the main population of Jerusalem, and as you're looking back at Mount Masada and Herod's veranda in the distance, you see the ashes and the ashen city that remains before you. There's Bruce Brimstone Brill, as we refer to him respectfully, uh, holding several pieces of brimstone that we secured just this last time when we were out during the Feast of Pesach, or Passover. And you see the ashes in the background as he's holding that the brimstone in his hands. Now, the brimstone, it says that it rained down or hailed down out of heaven on the cities of the plains, destroying them. And in the ashen remains, you can see how that it has the pattern as the brimstone rained down, and then the ashes snuffed it out so that these chunks of brimstone, which are 95.72% pure sulfur, still remain to this very day. 
There are sphinx-shaped objects, pyramid-shaped objects that continue to erode year by year as we go out there uh, at least twice a year. And there I am in my desert gear, which uh, uh, with the temperatures reaching over 120 degrees down at the lowest point of planet Earth, it's quite inhospitable. And this is the reason that a lot of people don't go out there. Those are lion paw prints. Now, lions prowl the the desert remains out there, and there are the paw prints of a lioness and her two cubs. And as you know, lions out there eat desert gazelle, and we're a lot slower than any desert gazelle I've ever seen. And here you see the body and the four paw prints of a lion, which was laying down in the, the ashes out there. And that's the reason why every night before sundown, we're behind the nylon screen walls of our tent, because we know nylon keeps out lions. But if that doesn't work, my daughter's holding an M16 full automatic, and uh, Bruce has a 357 on his side. And so when we go out there, we try to be a little bit more prepared. But there it is, what Simon Peter spoke of. Simon, speaker, Simon Peter spoke of the cities of the plains, Sodom and Gomorrah, as God has left a visible example in the earth of his righteous judgments. And just as God does not rain fire and brimstone down on every generation in which there's gross wickedness, and of course we uh, uh, happened to see Washington, D.C. on television on the news last night, which is certain proof that God doesn't rain fire and brimstone down on every wicked generation immediately, but God did leave a testimony in the earth that God is the judge, And it is a testimony to all those who would live an ungodly life. I have in my hands one of the pieces of brimstone that was recovered from the city of Gomorrah. In fact, I have the world's largest privately held collection of brimstone on planet Earth outside of of the uh, city of Gomorrah. And this piece of brimstone is 95.72% pure sulfur. Three of their trace metals in it. It burns extremely hot. In fact, we uh, made the mistake of ill-advisedly lighting up a small piece when I got back into Jerusalem several years ago, uh, lit a small piece uh, down in the basement, the lower level of a hostel there in the Jewish quarter. Uh, When we began choking and gagging, then we evacuated the building, got the brimstone out there, because all of a sudden it felt like what we were inhaling was, uh, was, was very deadly, and it was. And so we got it out on the street, let it burn out, and that was the last time we lit up a piece indoors. But this is what God has left, this testimony in the earth. And as the city began to then collapse, as the ashen remains snuffed it out, what is left for us today are the remains, these visible remains of God's righteous judgment. But it is not just a reminder of God's judgment against the wicked, but it says that it is also an ensample to the righteous that God is able to deliver the righteous in the day of judgment. So this piece of brimstone is good news and it's bad news. It just depends on where you are in relationship to the creator of the heavens and the earth. And it is in this period of time that God said that he would leave a reminder in the earth that Josephus spoke of it as common knowledge in his day. Of course, Simon Peter spoke of it, and it has been recently found again since Israel came back in their own land in this last generation, and since Israel uh, is now inhabiting that part of the world again. And as it says further in Peter, he said, knowing this, that in the last days, scoffers will come, 
And within the context of what he was speaking in 2 Peter chapter 3, this in the last days, these scoffers would not only be believers, but they would be people who would be considered as ministers within the body of believers. And these men would be walking after their own lust or taking care of themselves, making sure that what they got out of it was feathering their own nest. And it says that these scoffers would be walking after their own lust and scoffing, saying, where is this promise coming? Since the fathers fell asleep, everything continues going on the way it always has. This they will willingly be ignorant, he said. God judged the world in the days of Noah, and he'll judge the world again. In the days of Noah, he shook the foundations of the earth, but this next time, he's going to shake the heavens as well. Everything that can be shaken is about to be shaken. The only thing that's going to be left standing are those things which are grounded and founded on a rock and cannot be moved, cannot be shaken. But make no mistake, it is God who is going to do the shaking, and he's doing it for a reason. Just as Yahshua said in the Gospels that when the wind blows and when the waves roll, it didn't say if... It says when they do, because there is a time in which God is going to shake things loose, and it is concerning the last days in which God has left a testimony. And I am always uh, amazed as we travel around the United States and as we present some of these different archaeological finds that, uh, that have now come to light just in the last generation, and most of them since the time that Israel took back the city of Jerusalem since 1967. And we see that, just as Peter said, that they will willingly be ignorant in the last days, as we've toured around the United States with not only the pieces of brimstone, but also uh, inviting the, uh, the archaeologists that found Noah's Ark, that is noted by the Turkish government for the find of Noah's Ark, that we were amazed at, when we were on radio and television, how few people would actually go out of their way to be able to find out and be able to hold in their hands pieces of Noah's Ark, petrified remains of Noah's Ark that exist to this very day. Because it was in the late 1950s that a boat-shaped object appeared in a field in northern Turkey in the mountains of Uratu. And then it was in 1978 that an earthquake took place in northern Turkey, and that earthquake went right straight down the middle of that boat-shaped object. You can still see the fissure line in it today. And what happened is that by an earthquake, in one minute, what happened is that it shook all the earth away around the sides of this boat-shaped object, exposing 30 to 50 feet of the horizontal deck support timbers and the rib timbers of the petrified remains of Noah's Ark. And in one minute, God excavated the Ark of Noah more in one minute than what archaeologists could do in a hundred years with modern equipment. God is the one that is in charge, and he has left this testimony in the earth in the last days. And as we have been going around the country presenting these different evidences and seeing that instead of hundreds of thousands of people coming out, there would just be a few hundred. While most people stayed at home, watching television, immersed in, in the sports, or whatever it was. And it's always a disappointment to see how many people come out to see these things. But it's never a disappointment in who comes out. Because God has called his people in the last days. He has let them know that there is something very significant that is about to shake loose. And in just the last few years, we have seen it in which so many people, so many... Uh, Groups around the country 
and around this part of the world that all of the sudden the Feast of the Lord have become very important to them. It's become very significant to them, but they have not known why. And so now in these last days, God is bringing forth these things so that we can understand them. Now, as Peter went on in this, he said that in the last days that they will willingly be ignorant and that God is going to shake the heavens and the earth this next time. In the days of Noah, he shook the earth. This next time, it is going to shake loose. And it says that God is not slack concerning his promises of judgment. When it looks as though life is continuing on as it always has, but God isn't slack concerning those promises of judgment spoken by the Hebrew prophets. God is long-suffering. He's not willing that any should perish. But then Peter makes one prophetic statement concerning the last days and the promised return of the Messiah. And there is only one statement that he makes and one thing he says that we are not to be ignorant of. And he says, this, this we are not to be ignorant, that a day with the Lord is as a millennium or a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. Shimon Kepha, Simon Peter, was speaking the very same thing that the Hebrew rabbis have taught for thousands of years. In that God created the heavens and the earth in six days, and on the seventh day he rested, what that means is that man will have his time of rule and reign on the earth for 6,000 years. The Messiah will reign in the seventh or the Sabbath millennium, the day or the millennium of the Lord. In the book of Barnabas, who is a first century Jewish follower of Yahshua of Nazareth, he also stated the same thing in that God created the heavens and the earth in six days, the seventh day rested. He said that the Messiah will reign in the seventh or Sabbath millennium, the day or the millennium of the Lord as it is understood throughout the Hebrew scriptures. The first century Jewish followers of the, the Messiah were no, under no delusion that the Messiah would be returning at any moment. That, for the most part, is a Western Gentile Christian fabrication that has been extrapolated out of theological training rather than from the Holy Scriptures. And so it is that God has left a, a, a testimony for this period of time saying a day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years as is a day. Now, we, for the most part, in this part of the world are not taught basic math, especially in church. Because if we cannot get three days and three nights between Good Friday and Easter Sunday, there's like no hope that we would be able to do any advanced mathematical uh, calculations. But we're going to do some of those today. Because we see that just as Adam's first year was the year one, and the first millennium was the year one through the year 1,000, then the second millennium was the year 1,001 through 2,000, Third, 2001 through 3000, that by the time we get to the year 6001, that is when the seventh or the Sabbath millennium, the day or the millennium of the Lord begins. And we also see that picture right back in Bettersheet, back in Genesis, in which it says that God spoke to Adam and said, in the day you eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. But yet we see that Adam lived for 930 years. How do we reconcile that? It's because we know that a day with the Lord is as a thousand years, a thousand years is as a day. Adam was created to live forever, 
but he died in the day or the millennium in which he was created, and from that point on, no one, even though Methuselah came close at a lifespan of 969 years, no one has ever lived past the day, even right from the very beginning. And so God said it right in Genesis and showed how that prophetic shadow picture is going to be seen throughout the scriptures and through the feast of the Lord, the spring feast and the fall feast, we are going to see how these all play in a part. Now, according to the modern Jewish calendar, it is currently the year 5760. The year 5760 would indicate that we are at least 240 years away from the beginning of the seventh or the Sabbath millennium. But there are no Jewish scholars on the planet today that dispute the fact that years have been subtracted from the total elapsed time calendar. We all know that years were subtracted. The question is, how many years? It's the noted Jewish rabbi, Shimon Swab, who stated that he could prove that there are at least 165 years missing from the total elapsed time calendar, and perhaps many more. So the question remains, what year is it? Now, among the Western Gentile or the Christian chronologists, there are none that really would argue with this following statement, that creation was around the year 4000 BCE, 4000 BC, and here we are now around the year 2000 of the Common Era. Now, any second grader would be able to add this together and see that 4000 BCE and 2000 of the Common Era would bring us to around the year 6,000 at this point. But we're not taught the basic premise and understanding of the Hebrew Scriptures that a day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. And so it is that we are going to look at God's reckoning of time and understand these things from the biblical perspective, from the Hebrew perspective, because we are living in God's universe. The world in which we live is synchronized to God's calendar and God's time clock. Whether we know about it or not does not make any difference. God does not spin the universe around what we don't understand. I learned that several years ago. If I don't understand it, then it seems to just keep on rolling right over me at times if I get in the way. But God's reckoning of time, clearly outlined in the Hebrew Scriptures, we have completely forsaken in the West. We have inherited and adopted a pagan reckoning of time, which is completely out of focus of God's reckoning of time. In the Western world, every day of the week is named after a different pagan god. Every month of the year is named after a different fallen angel, a different god. From Janus, the two-headed god, all the way to August, Caesar Augustus, the, the god of the Roman Empire. And so it is that we have inherited a pagan reckoning of time and have completely forsaken God's reckoning clearly outlined in the Hebrew Scriptures. Even the Western world in America, which purports to believe that the Bible is the Word of God, has completely forsaken God's reckoning. It's as if the hands have been broken from the face of the clock. We don't know what time it is, but God knows what time it is, and he has a plan and a promise. And when the seventh or Sabbath millennium begins, we are going to see some incredible events as we come to the seventh month of the seventh millennium, because the seventh month feast will be fulfilled when the day or millennium of the Lord begins. And we find ourselves right on the cusp of this at this point. 
It was three years ago that I published, I presented, and defended in Jerusalem the, the first astronomically corrected biblical Hebrew calendar since the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. And it was Rabbi Hillel II in the 4th century that made uh, advanced mathematical and astronomical calculations when we no longer lived in the land of Israel. And those calculations were made so that we could have a projected calendar that could be used with his people being scattered over three continents. And so when we weren't in the land and couldn't keep God's original reckoning of time, then an alternative calendar was produced that at the time was extremely accurate. But now, 1,600 years later, those calculations were not accurate enough to keep the calendar on track over the long duration with which it's been in use. And so where we find ourselves at this particular point in time is that most of the time we are celebrating the feast days on the wrong day according to the modern Jewish calendar. And many times we're completely in the wrong month according to God's original reckoning of time. Now, whereas this may have been acceptable in generations past, now that we are back in the land, there is no reason why we can't go back to God's original reckoning of time. And also, what we have found ourselves embroiled in and uh, completely immersed in in the culture in the West is that we have inherited pagan celebrations and renamed pagan celebrations, again, which have no basis in truth or reality. Some of them are not even renamed, such as Easter, which is the name of the bare-breasted fertility goddess of the East who came out of heaven in this giant egg landing in the Euphrates River at sunrise on the first Sunday after the vernal equinox, busting out, turning a bird into an egg-laying rabbit. And then after that point in time, the priest of Easter would then sacrifice infants and then take the eggs of Easter and dye them in the blood of sacrificed infants. Many of these same traditions are carried on today in the name of those people who say that they're worshiping the true God, but really do not even understand that some of the things that they have inherited in some of these occult holidays have actually been brought into the what the Christians consider their church. And so it is that when we have inherited these things, but we find that we have forsaken the feast of the Lord, which are all prophetic shadow pictures of good things to come, we find ourselves again with the hands broken from the face of the clock. I'm going to interrupt the broadcast right there. In 2017, I memorized the book of Revelation just as a simple project. Surprisingly, I began to receive information on 30 revelations and two visions beyond what is found in the Bible. God showed me a secret door, which is based upon a single word found in Revelation and Leviticus, linking the feasts to the prophecies. When linked, a person enters into an understanding of Bible prophecy not previously known. Even though I've been in the world of Bible prophecy for 40 years, frankly, I did not know anything of what is in this book. One prophetic word described it this way. There is a lock that I have put over a word in the book of Revelation that I'm going to open to you. It will turn so many books written on the end time message into obsolete books. That's this book. Topics are Jesus returns on what feast? The secret of the feasts. Who are the two witnesses? What is the morning star? The judgment seat explained. The great white throne explained. The nations explained. What is the shout? And the parables explained. Seals, trumpets, and vials go in what order? 
two amazing prophecy charts on the back flap, 12 inches by 9 inches. Imagine a book on prophecy that brings a fresh, new, accurate perspective. I don't want you to get one book for $20. I want you to get five books for $30 or 10 for 55 It's called The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy, available at prophecyclub.com. The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. One for 20 No, 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 don't do that. You want to get five for 30 or the best deal, 10 for 55 prophecyclub.com. Each single Prophecy Club DVD is a gift of $30. In that you know the internet is going away one day, it is a good idea to actually have the disc. However, at watchprophecyclub.com, you can have instant access to over 200 titles on a recurring monthly subscription of $20 or yearly for $200 at watchprophecyclub.com. That's $6,000 worth of information at watchprophecyclub.com. That's watchprophecyclub.com. What a deal. Leslie and I have accepted an invitation to speak and minister at a conference in Malaysia. We know it is a test to see if we're willing to lose money to minister to people on the other side of the earth at a loss. With your help and the help of God, we will be successful. We've already charged the $20,000 in tickets on our credit card for us and our assistants to go. We want you to go with us, at least spiritually. We want you to share in the fruit of our labors by sharing in the estimated $25,000 in expenses to go and take the gospel and Bible prophecy to the other side of the earth. Go to prophecyclub.com. You can also support us by texting the word prophecy to 444-999 and follow the prompts. We're going May 18th through June 5th.